0: All right, so we are continuing in our study of 1 Peter tonight. Um, We're walking through a series that we are calling Stranger Things because Peter talks to his audience who he calls strangers, right? Because of their decision to follow Jesus, they don't fit in with culture. And I think that is also applicable to us because a lot of the times we feel like strangers in this world because of our decision follow Jesus. So each week we've kind of talked about something that Peter can equip us with on how to be faithful strangers in this world. Anyone remember what we talked about last week? Submission, yeah, way to go. Talked about submission and being willing to put others' needs above our own, which is a huge stranger thing in the world. And tonight we're gonna talk about unity, which is also something that Um, is strange in our world a lot of the time because right the world wants to disunify us if you remember uh, a few weeks ago Austin talked about Satan right and what did what did he say uh, Satan's role is does anyone remember who comes on Sunday mornings Satan is the what Accuser, yeah, Satan is the accuser, and so he wants to work in us to turn us against each other, therefore not making unity, right? So we're gonna talk about unity tonight and learn from Peter. We're gonna be in chapter three, starting in verse eight. First Peter three, starting in verse eight. So he says, to sum up, so he's just talked a lot about um, submission and speaking to a lot of different people. And he says, to sum all this up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. So he's speaking through to this room of a very mixed group of people, right? we talked about some of those different people groups last week, so I want you to imagine this, probably this house and someone's reading this letter over these people in this house, a very mixed group and is saying, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and to see good days must keep their tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So Peter, like I said, is talking here to the group of believers, the people in his in the church that's reading this letter, right? So he's encouraging them, how do you live in unity with one another? And so he lists off these virtues of unity, um, like being like-minded or harmonious, sympathetic, humble, kind-hearted, brotherly. And we're gonna get back to like-minded in a little bit, but sympathetic, we know what that means, right? To be able to put ourselves in other people's shoes and trying to understand where they're coming from, to be humble, a lot like we talked about last week, to be able to put your needs below other people's needs and to not um, live a life of pride, but being able to live a low life, um, honoring other people, to be kind-hearted, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? To not be someone who is malicious or angry, but to be kind and gentle in spirit and brotherly. I think this one is interesting. Um, when I was reading and studying this this week, brotherly, um, I think is an important thing to notice because um, Peter's basically saying here, I want you to act like your family, like you're actually blood related because you're willing a lot more to fight for your blood family, right? Like you want to do everything you can to keep those relationships together. And he's saying in the same way with your Christian community, they should be like your, bro- your blood family and that you don't just drop when things get hard, right? And so these are virtues in community that lead to unity. And why do you think this matters? Why do you think it matters that Christian communities are unified? Well, because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, right? And he came to bring unity in this world. And so, If we cannot practice unity and community well with our brothers and sisters in Christ, how are we gonna bring that to the rest of the world, right? If we are always at each other's throats and having arguments and um, talking bad about each other, then what does that say to the rest of the world? So it is so important that we practice being unified with our brothers and sisters because that's an example to the world. The power of the good news of jesus we also have talked about him over and over again and it's something we say here all the time at vista but our call is to love god and love people and so that starts with the people that's in front of us which means our community right if we can't love our community you're not going to do a good job loving your neighbor and we need people in our lives as well Peter knows that we all need community. We cannot walk this life alone. We need to be living a life in unity with other people. We need allies as we pursue our calling in life as strangers. So this is why it's important to think about unity. So I want you to think, who is your community? If you're taking notes, maybe write it down. Who's my community? It might be a few different groups of people, but I want you to identify. who, Who do you think of as your community? And then I want you to think of, do these virtues that we have talked about, that Peter's describing here, do they describe your community? Is your community like-minded? Are you practicing sympathy in your community? Are you humble, kind-hearted, brotherly? So for our first question, we're going to talk about what hinders your unity within your community. And I think this is important that we think about what hinders our unity first, because we know the goal, right? We know where we're headed. We wanna pursue these virtues that Peter teaches us. But to get to the goal, we have to notice the things that are keeping us from that first, right? Like um, basketball season's about to start, right? Y'all get to start practice this weekend? Yeah, excited? None of my basketball girls are here tonight, but it's gonna pick on them too. But the goal for basketball season is to win conference, right? And then go as far as you can and hopefully win a national championship. That's the goal. We can all say that that's the goal, but to get to that goal, we have to realize what are the things that are going to hold us back from that? What are the things that are going to keep us from winning our conference championship, from winning the national championship? Maybe that's the team has some gossip problems going on, or maybe you aren't good, your team isn't good at passing, or maybe there's this big disconnect between the starting five and the people coming off the bench. Whatever it is, I'm just making up random scenarios, but we have to know what is gonna hinder us from the goal first. So first question, what hinders your unity within your community? Y'all can go ahead and discuss. What are some things we've identified that hinders our unity? Anyone? <laughs> it should be on, yeah. Maybe. Hello. Oh. Okay. Um couple things we talked about was um, selfish desires in a sense of if you're not in it then it kind of breaks the community in a way um, with that going along like what the ultimate goal of the community was and um, Josh pointed out that if one person isn't going or diving as deep as everybody else's it's kind of noticeable and mm-hmm. so you're able to um, like that kind of just breaks away a little bit in a sense. Um, But also, we talked about how we can help out that person and just bring them back closer. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Anybody else? That selfishness so far, what else? Um, oh my gosh, something that we talked about, um, was just, like, I don't know if guys deal with this, but I know that girls, like, deal in a lot of times of, like, jealousy (laughs) goes, like, it gets really bad. Like, in girls, it's, like, one-upping and, like, oh, like, if you have it, I want it. And there's just, like, a sense of, like, girls are not innately, like, good, not saying that everyone is (laughs) bad at community, but, like, some people are, like, in my circles of people that are just like not built for community and they have to like really work for it. So I think it's something that like I have witnessed at least that girls tend to, there's like one tiff and then it's like over. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of like selfishness along with jealousy and other things. Yeah, why girls like cannot get over things. Guys, it's, next day they're fine, like nothing happened and we can't move on. It's definitely a fatal flaw in the female. We do, we feel it deep. Yes, but I think that's true. I think it's a guy thing and a girl thing that comparison is a big thing that hinders our unity. And another thing I said was seeing each other as competition too. What else? Uh, We talked about different experiences in life like that can hinder like how you, like whatever you're going through, like someone may have like gone through something or someone may have not experienced it. So it affects the way like, that community works together. Yeah. And then the, the opposite of that is like, you have to strive to be sympathetic, right? And try and understand each other. But because we live in a broken world, sometimes it's hard and there's definitely a disconnect, for sure. Anyone else? is it on? Yeah. Okay. okay. So our group kind of talked about how we get in our own head and isolate. We like believe these lies that we tell ourselves and then we discommunicate like with our community and that causes yeah. a struggle with just being on your own and believing that. Yeah. Like, we psych ourselves out and yeah, for sure. It's good. Yeah, time is a huge thing that causes disconnect for sure. Well, most of what we talked about um, are not great things, right? Um, So we talked about this before when we were talking about sin and evil, when it's not good as God designed it to be, then the lack of good is evil, right? And so, Peter reminds us here through a Psalm that he's quoting to um, flee from, to turn from evil and to do good. And so now that we've identified some of these things that are causing these disconnects in our community, we're supposed to turn from those things and pursue the good things to realize, okay, if time is a hindrance, man, what do, I, what do I need to give up to prioritize my community? Because I know community is important. Or if I'm struggling with comparison, and how can I put myself aside and realize uh, my identity is in Christ and not what other people think about me? So thinking about how can we turn from evil and pursue good in order to pursue community and unity. Um, so then I also want to point something else out that we talked about uh, at our leadership meeting on Sunday. So if you didn't know, we, um, all of the leaders at the table, we talk about this and unpack it a little bit more and think about, okay, what is applicable for um, us to talk about on Wednesday? And someone brought up that it's really hard to be fully unified and experience um, this true, intimate community that Peter's talking about, right? Because he's talking about this sacrificial, intimate community. It's really hard to experience that with uh, people who aren't pursuing the same common goal as you. And I think y'all kind of hit on that a little bit, that you start to notice that there's this disconnect here. Like you desire this type of community. You desire this, these type of relationships. Um, where you are kind-hearted and sympathetic, but your friend over there isn't being very kind. And that's because there isn't the same deep common goal. One writer that I was reading this week said, the act of adopting a common identity that supersedes all other identities is daunting, even painful. However, research shows that it is the key to true unity. It is consistent with Jesus' teachings that the household of God is to take precedence over all other households. To embrace our identities in this new common family, we must engage in the difficult process of lessening our grip on the identities um, that we have idolized and clung to for far too long. And so in other words, what she's saying here is that we all find our identity in something, right? Whether it's the major that you're in, the career that you're pursuing, the sports team that you play on, how your social media looks, how liked you are, whatever it is, we all find our identity in something. But when we are accepting the fact that we are um, sons and daughters of Christ, then that is an identity that should supersede all other identities. And so when you are in relationship with people who haven't realized that, who haven't accepted that and embrace that they are sons and daughters and that is their number one identity, you're gonna experience this disconnect in your relationships. You're gonna experience um, some tension and that's hard, (laughs) Um, that's hard. And I'm not saying here that, and Peter's not saying here that you should just drop your community that hasn't accepted their identity as uh, followers of Jesus. That's not what we're saying, right? Because we're supposed to be a light to the world and to be able to do that, we have to live alongside of other people who don't get that yet, right? But it also means that you do need a few people in your life who you can experience that type of community and unity With, Because when we are strangers in this world, we've talked about it, things are going to be hard and sin is going to be knocking at your door all the time and you're going to want to spiral, right? But you need people in your corner who are going to encourage you and challenge you and hold you accountable. And you need those people who have accepted, accepted their identity as sons and daughters first. um, A little side note, this is also why it's so important to be in a dating relationship with someone who's also accepted that identity as their number one identity. Because if you get married to someone who hasn't accepted that, then there's also always going to be that disconnect. You're always going to be running after different goals. And trust me, that is not um, the way you want to enter into A marriage. So when it comes to unity, when it comes to thinking about community, um, it is important that you think of who can be those one to two to five people who are going to challenge you and have accepted this identity in Christ. And so moving on a little bit, we're going to talk about peace because peace is a huge part of community. So I want you to think, have you ever felt this overwhelming sense of peace? I that's a good feeling. It's something we all long for, whether we realize it or not. Um, Think about those times where you felt overwhelming peace. Um, For me, it's been times when I'm like standing in front of the ocean or on top of the mountain and I realize just how in control God is. We all want peace in our lives. I think of Psalm 23. It's just such a beautiful picture of peace. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So that's just this picture of peace guiding you beside still waters, where there isn't chaos because there is chaos all around us, right? And so how can we be people that, as Peter says, seek peace and pursue it? Peace isn't something we just stumble across because, like I said, our world is full of chaos. It's full of noise. It's full of hurry, right? So peace is something that Peter is reminding us. We have to seek it and pursue it. And it starts with ourselves? Do I understand peace for myself? Am I pursuing peace for myself? And then, can I be someone that pursues peace in my community? Stanley Hauerwas says, The church must learn time and time again that its task is not to make the world the kingdom, but to be faithful to the kingdom by showing the world what it means to be a community of peace. We get to show the world, to give the world a taste of what the kingdom is gonna be like by showing that we can be a community of peace. So what is peace? What do do we think about when we think about peace? Um, So I want us to watch this video by The Bible Project. It's a short three minute video and they describe peace and they do it with all these pictures and it's so helpful. So hopefully it works. I want you to pay attention. The word
1: peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete, or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that is complex with lots of pieces that is in a state of completeness, wholeness. It is like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that has been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Erene. Remember that is the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience, and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven and on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace.
0: So I let them explain it because they can do it a lot better than than I could. Um, But shout out a few things. What what stood out to you that you didn't realize when you think about peace? There's a lot of information packed in there. So when I think about peace, I, like they said, think about it's the absence of war, right? Or um, the absence of conflict but peace is to help make something whole, to bring restoration. And so we have to realize that we, through Jesus, can experience peace. We can be made whole, and therefore we are then supposed to go out and bring peace and restoration to our community. So we're gonna do a little activity, um, something tangible to take home with you. So in in your bags, you have these little blocks. Um, They're actually colorful Jenga blocks. You might recognize them. Um, And so in the video, it talked about how peace is like this stone that's made complete, that doesn't have any cracks in it. Um, And so I want you guys to write, I will let everybody, Lots of distractions. Um, So you're gonna write peace on one side. And then for our next discussion, while y'all are discussing, you can write things down or you can think for a little bit first and then discuss after you've written things down on your your brick. But I want you to think, how can you be someone that seeks peace and pursues it? So for me on here, um, I wrote, don't avoid so i'm one who likes to just try and avoid conflict but that's not actually seeking peace um i wrote realizing that i'm whole in christ nothing else um slow down because i'm in a hurry a lot of time and that doesn't bring peace be someone of love and understanding and trust that god is in control and so How can you be someone, I want y'all to think about, how can you be someone that pursues peace and that you can be this little stone that is whole and a part of this royal priesthood that ushers peace into the world? So y'all spend some time writing down and talking about it and then we're gonna discuss it as a group. Okay. Um, So I wanna hear some ways that when we leave this room, We are gonna be people who are seeking peace and pursuing it. And I hope that these little bricks can be a reminder of that you are called to seek peace. And remember that it starts with you and then you go. And I love that that video reminds us um, that Peace isn't just avoiding conflict, it's restoring wholeness. And I think that's something that we really need to work to remember. It's not just avoiding conflict. I'm really good at avoiding conflict. But can I restore wholeness Um, in people and the lives of people around me? So how are we going to seek peace? How are we going to restore wholeness? Forgiveness. Forgiveness, yeah, it's a big one. Letting things go, yeah. Obedience, Obedience, for sure. Being selfless. selfless. Saying no. Saying no, yeah, that's a big one. Choosing Choosing to believe God's promise, yes. Not gossiping is a big one. That's something I also wrote on mine. I mean, Peter even goes out of his way to say keeping our tongues from evil and our lips from deceitful speech. So that's a big one that hinders unity. So being uplifting with our words. Anything else? Yes, these are all really good things as we are people who seek Peace and pursue it. Um, Paul talked about in Ephesians that we are called to keep um, the bond of peace. And so peace is like this glue that holds community together. And so realizing how important it is and really thinking about, hey, that starts with me. Am Am I a peaceful person? Am I acting like someone who has been restored through Jesus? Because that's huge. Like if you were a person that only breeds um, anxiety in people's life and is um, talking bad all the time and it's just not a peaceful person to be around, uh, that that's not a good example of the good news of Jesus, right? So how can it start with me? How can I realize I am whole in Jesus through the blood of Jesus? And how can I go out and restore those around me. And so I also put um, some little pamphlet things and bookmarks on your table. Uh, and it's called, it says, "Peacemaking," right? A conflict guide. So this is something that our church leadership has put together to help um, our church know how to handle conflict. And so as you're thinking about seeking peace in your relationships, you might be realizing, oh crap, there is, a relationship, there's someone in my community, there's someone on my team, there's someone in my class that I need to seek peace with. And I I need to address some conflict that's going on. And there is a way to address conflict that is not healthy, but there's also a biblical way to address conflict. So this is a guide to hopefully help you through it. It's literally step by step. How How do I seek peace in a relationship that has conflict? And if you need help thinking through that, uh, please come talk to me. I would love to help you process those steps. Um, if you need a mediator, if you've gotten, you'll see one of those steps on there. Sometimes things get really bad and you cannot hear each other anymore. And you need a third party to step in. I'm happy to also do that as well. So. Think about that in your relationships. Is there someone that you need to practice this with? Um, Feel free to take that home. And we have some more in the back, I think, if you didn't get one in that bucket back there. So just as a response for uh, as we leave tonight and as we think about, hey, um, what's my community like? Is my community living out of the virtues that Peter describes? Or maybe do do I need to look for some new friends, Um, not leaving my old ones because you can still be an encouragement and light in their life, but maybe you need a few people that can um, have that common unity. And the really great place to start looking for those is right here or in a small group. Um, You might come sit with the same people every Wednesday night here, but not talk to these people the rest of the week, but you're here for a reason, right? And so um, take advantage of these relationships. Uh, And maybe in your community, even with your friends that aren't here, you just need to have that hard conversation. Say, I'm ready to go deeper in our relationship and practice uh, unity. So I want us to take all our blocks. You're gonna take yours home with you. As a reminder, you can put it on your bathroom counter or in your car, wherever you can see it and help you remember to be someone who's pursuing peace. But for now, I think it's just helpful to do little tangible things um, to help us remember, help things stick in our brain. And so I want at your table to everyone to stack your blocks at your table and realize that you are all coming together to make something whole when you practice peace and community. And once you've stacked all your blocks, hopefully none of them fall or that might be a bad sign. Just kidding. Um, Once you've stacked your blocks, I want everyone to stand up and hold hands around the circle on your table. And we're going to pray this prayer of St. Francis together. So if you're facing the opposite way on the screen, you can look at this little screen on the back too, but we're gonna pray this together. So pray it with me. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy.